Story 63, $1 Building. It was a bargain. In the early 1990s, the apartment building we had rented on 17th Street, after being kicked out of the Travelator, became a topic again because it was for sale. At the time, all U.S. federal savings and loans banks were in crisis. They were being closed and all assets liquidated. The Resolution Trust Corporation, RTC, was a federal, government-owned asset management company that was in charge of closing down all the banks and selling off their assets, which included selling off properties and closing out mortgage loans. One of the properties they were trying to get rid of was the 17th Street apartment building. The RTC contacted us since we were the most recent prior tenant and we had a big presence downtown as a builder by then. The apartment building was proving to be hard for RTC to sell because it had a reputation as being a prostitution and drug center. It hadn't been well taken care of and it was run down. No one wanted it and I knew that. When the RTC contacted me, they offered the building at a purchase price of $1 million. To me, it wasn't worth that at all. I said, no, I'll take it for $350,000. Typical negotiators, we went back and forth for a bit, and they finally responded, we'll take $675,000 for it. By then, I was over it. The price was too high, and I didn't want to deal with RTC anymore. They were trying to get way too much money out of a building no one wanted that needed a ton of work. I just wanted them to go away. I told my staff, tell them I will buy the building for $1. That's my final offer. I figured we'd be done with it after that and they'd go away. But not so fast. They came back and said they'd take $1 for the building. Excuse me, what? I wasn't serious, but okay, $1 it is. Sold. That's how we ended up buying an entire apartment building for a dollar. Yet, since that $1 building needed a lot of work, we had to do a complete overhaul. One of our board chairs at the time was a retired Marine. He got a few guys from the Marine Corps Recruit Depot to gut the entire building down to the basic interior structure. Then we built it to be suitable housing. But we couldn't do any of that until we got all the tenants out. Tenants who were running illegal drugs and prostitution businesses out of their apartments. We couldn't evict them just because we owned the building. That's not how it works. Tenants have rights, and they all knew it. For any building owner, if you want tenants to move out, you have to subsidize them for their new place which basically means you have to pay them to leave. We didn't want to do that. The only other option is to do what we ended up doing, which was make them want to leave on their own. We made it very difficult for them to keep living as they had been living. We placed security officers at the gate entrance to the building 24 hours a day. Whenever someone came to the building to visit a tenant, the guest was required to show their ID, and we'd make a copy of it. Now, if you were going into the building to buy drugs or a prostitute, both of which were illegal, you probably didn't want some security officer knowing your identity. Eventually, all the customers stopped coming. Also, 
Since we didn't have a place to keep our German shepherds at night, we had the dogs that were part of the security team for our other housing centers one block over go there every night. There was an outdoor space on the property well suited for them. So imagine, you wouldn't want to be sneaking out of the building with German Shepherd security guard trained dogs on site. We just made it miserable for the tenants to be there doing what they were doing. And eventually, everyone moved out. Ever since we reopened that building after remodeling, it has been used for transitional housing, hosting 50 apartments. Then, following the adjacent property concept, we eventually bought the house next door to that apartment building on the west side, which was used as a guest house for a few years for visitors. We also bought the two empty lots adjacent to that guest house that would later become our parking lot and a gated playground for our children's center. Then we bought the adjacent property to the east of the apartment building, the corner lot, that would later become Villa Harvey Mandel Apartments, offering long-term housing solutions. We also bought up land across the street to the east, which is used for our maintenance center and another parking lot. Plus, within a few years, an old historic home in the middle of the block on the 16th Street side came up for sale, and we bought that too. I have called that house my home for about 20 years. It has been really convenient to live directly across the street from St. Vincent de Paul Villages and all the adjacent properties we built over the years. Now here's the thing about my house. First, it sits on a fault line that runs right through my living room. Second, since it is designated as a historic home, we can't alter it at all. But the building rights that go with the land the house sits on can be transferred to an adjacent property if we desire. That means the 50-unit apartment building we purchased for only $1 that is currently three stories high can one day be rebuilt to be a high-rise, up to 14 stories of housing. Years down the line, we tore down the Ice House warehouse and built more housing on that property. It's where the St. Vincent de Paul Village's Paul Mirabli Center was constructed with 350 beds for short-term housing, a medical center, job training center, and computer center. The Mirabli family's generous gift came at an important time, and I credit former board chairman David Malcolm and his wife Annie for helping to make that happen. Now, we needed another warehouse facility yet again. So we bought a distribution warehouse a few miles away on East Street, and that is where our offices were for a long time. Eventually, the Bishop Maher Center was rebuilt to be our 15th and commercial building. The mixed-use housing development offers a state-of-the-art approach to three buildings in one, a child development center, transitional housing, and 64 apartments for supportive housing. I am greatly simplifying a lot of work that was done over the course of a few decades of buying, funding, and building housing projects just to make a point about adjacent properties. When you look at an aerial view of East Downtown, you'll see we have built housing on a really significant portion of it on land we own. Just like in the game of Monopoly, where you need to buy up as many adjacent properties as possible to then be able to build on them, 
That is what we did in our corner of downtown San Diego. We bought up adjacent properties and built housing on the land with the purpose of meeting the needs of our neighbors experiencing homelessness. At the moment, we are one of the top 20 land developers in downtown San Diego, all of which started from a warehouse thrift store and an empty city block parking lot.